Welcome to Scotch Parlor. I'm Rick Scotch, your host of the Scotch Parlor podcast, where we capture lifestyles and share stories of inspiring people that bring motivation, knowledge, and entertainment to our community. Life is good. Let's get started. Welcome to Scotch Parlor. Our, I'm Rick Scotch. I'm the host of the Check the Scotch podcast. I'm here with Rami Balat. Is that how you say your last name? Yeah, I've known you for a long time. That's how you say my last name. I know. <laughs> you better know how you say my last there name. There you go. So, so Rami Balat, I've actually, I've known him, like I said, since high school. He is the owner of Subs Inc. It's a sandwich shop in Noe Valley. Unbelievable sandwiches. Uh, one thing I wanted to say to Rami is I actually do remember the day we went out and I don't even know what part of this. I think we were in the marina. I remember you telling me the money's in the sandwiches and i remember that day it was after we went out and you said you were gonna open up sandwich shop you opened it up in 2006 now we're 11 years later that's right you have your the business is thriving and we had you know i want to say thank you for being our first guest on our podcast and uh we just want to get to know you and let our audience get to know what what's all about subs inc and more importantly what about who is rami balat so with that, I just fill in the blanks as far as um, a little bit about you, where you come from, uh, where you're living, and about Subzinc. Okay. Well, first of all, I'm very grateful to be here. So thank you, Rick, for being the first person. Absolutely. Absolutely. So who am I? Where did I come from? And how did I come to be here? So I'll try to answer that in order. Forgive me if it's not. But uh, my name is Rami Balat. I am 36 years old, born in 1981. So just like Rick, we're that borderline Gen X millennial, you know. <laughs> Family came from Palestine. They, you know, worked, scrimped, saved, started up their own business. We grew up a very a good upbringing through hard work and through my father who opened up his own restaurant, learned the value of starting your own business and being your own boss. I went to college after high school at University of San Francisco, got an accounting degree, mm. got a job, thought that was a thing to do, was not really satisfied with it. I yeah. was a government employee. I worked... A wonderful 40 hours a week, which these days I, w- I would cherish, but it didn't have the hustle that I was that I wanted. The ability to drive, to push hard and to push forward and to show that I could reward myself through my own merit. There you go. So a year after doing accounting for the government, I was a tax auditor. I saw a business for sale. And at the time, a friend and I wanted to go into real estate investing He was fully in it. I was going to join him. This was going to be our first partnership. But, you know, we learned that we had different philosophies on how to run a business. So we split up. I took the sandwich shop and I turned it into what it is today. All right. Yeah. Well, see, that's that's the beauty of it, right? So you did get to try the nine to five lifestyle, if you, whatever you want to call it, the 40 hours a week. But you chose to sit there and say, you know what, I'm going to take my own future in my hands and, and build my own business. And granted, it's you, you went from 40 hours probably to like 100 hours a week, but at least you do it. You, you have, you're on your own boss. You control your own life, basically, with being in business with yourself. I mean... That's something to be proud of. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, I'll jump into this later on, but you know, it ebbs and flows. Sometimes you work a hundred, sometimes you work 40, sometimes you work 35. It depends on how you do it. It depends on the time. And I actually am subscribing to this philosophy that I'm not sure what I'm going to label it, but it's, I'm thinking about calling it my emotional piggy bank. All right. Just that's like cool. when you're a kid, you uh-huh. put in a quarter every time. If you have a quarter, you put it in. If you don't have a quarter, you know, maybe you pull it out. So... There are times where you're working 100 hours a week, you know, but there are times where you're working 20. So when you work in those 20, recognize that, invest in your emotions, 
live it up, enjoy it. So when the times that you are working 100 hours a week, remember how you actually had some great moments when you were working less. And that'll get you through the hard times and then you'll go back to working 30, 40, maybe 20 hours a week even. So it'll go in waves. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. That, that's really cool actually. I really like that. It's kind of, it's almost like, a, uh, I mean, we always talk about balance, like life balance, but that's almost like a work balance in itself to kind of keep your mind right and your mind straight and to smell the roses. Because exactly. that's important, right? Being the present. And are you living life or is life living you? That's right. <laughs> so uh, just to kind of go deeper into the business aspect of it, um, I mean, what's your typical day like as far as like, let's start off with the alarm clock. What time does the alarm go off? So alarm goes off at six. Okay. Do I honestly get up at six? Sometimes no, I linger at seven. Depends <laughs> on the day. I'm a big fitness enthusiast, so I try to get some type of workout in in the morning. For a while, it was my daily walk. Lately, it's transitioning into my actual workout. And then I get ready for work. I come back home. I have my cup of coffee. I have my breakfast. I always have a breakfast every morning. Uh And it's usually a veggie scramble or maybe add some meat in it, just like smoked salmon. And the reason I do that is it's part of my fitness regimen. And then I get ready for work. Two days a week, I go to the produce terminal. I buy my own produce. It's honestly more cost effective for me because of my locale. I live about, I mean, I work about five minutes from the produce terminal and I get to save some money while also hand selecting the better produce rather than trusting other people to do it. Nothing wrong with having it delivered, but it depends on the scale. If you open, if you own five or six businesses, it's more worth your while to have it delivered. Since I own one restaurant, it's easier for me to go pick it up and make sure I get the better product. And see, that's cool. That's yeah. actually really cool for Subzinc because of the fact that you are like, you're more, you're very hands-on as far as what ingredients you're putting in there, as far as fresh uh, produce. And I think that's an awesome aspect of why everybody should go to Subzinc when you're in Noe Valley. So what is your biggest challenge then as far as being a business owner and beyond, I guess, beyond the whole aspect of running a business? Because obviously running a business is a challenge in itself. But what would you find over the last 11 years, which you found like, wow, you know what? This is more of a surprise for you that it was more of a challenge, if that makes sense. Totally. And it's actually a very great question because it's one thing I used to battle my family over. And it is understanding that there are things that that are out of your control, things that you cannot change. I'll use example of employees. When I was growing up in the family business, I would see a lot of volatility with labor. It's commonly known that in the restaurant industry, labor is not always the most dependable thing. Okay. There are very, very, very great employees, but there are also employees out there that really don't want to put in 100%. For a lot of people, it is not a career. They don't have a lot of investment uh-huh. or attachment into what you're doing. They're just there for a paycheck. So you have to create that culture. You have to create that emotional attachment. And even when you still do that, there are still times where there you have employees who have an attitude of, I, I'm just here for the money. Yeah. And in anything, I mean, even in the corporate world, if you talk to CEOs, if you talk to managers or executives, they'll tell you the same thing. It's learning how to work around that, uh-huh. beyond that. So growing up in the family business, I, I was convinced that maybe my parents were doing something wrong. Maybe they weren't communicating properly. Maybe they weren't motivating my, the employees properly. Uh-huh. And when I started, took my chance at it, I realized, no, it's just, you know, the nature of, the nature of it. Yeah. Okay. You know? And uh, you have to learn how to work around it. Uh-huh. And you have to learn how to not let it affect you in a negative way. Um, there were many times where I'd get frustrated. Why my employees wouldn't cooperate. 
or why did I have this bad employee? And, and the hardest lesson I have to learn is sometimes if you have someone that doesn't want to be part of the team, then he shouldn't be part of the team. Gotcha. You gotcha. Know, yeah. You're doing yourself a favor and you're doing uh, the other employees a favor. In essence, you're cutting your losses at that point. Yeah. With, with, yeah. I can see that as far as, uh, because at the end of the day, not everyone's motivated in different aspects, right? So you need to find what motivates a certain person. Yes. Uh, and and like you said, you're going to end up hiring somebody that might be, you know, they're just doing this as their job. They don't necessarily have that strong work ethic. And how do you motivate somebody that necessarily have that strong work ethic, but still get, motivate them to come to work and do, you know, because you're running a business here. And then if you obviously you see yourself as like, uh, because of the fact that they don't have that work ethic. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, okay, well, do we cut your losses at that point? And, and I know it's a pain in the butt. I'm sure it's a pain in the butt to like sit there and hire somebody, go through the interview process. Is this the right person? It's, it's almost like relationships. <laughs> it, it almost is. I mean, it is, it's people skills. It is relationships, whether it's romantic or not. And to go to reference back to your question about being out of your control. I mean, it's not like, you know, you, you still have other problems. There's a lot of moving parts in the restaurant business. Uh-huh. You know, if you have a plumbing problem or if you have an electrical problem or if your machinery is broken, those are still equally important problems. But you, for some reason, we all seem to have a sense of greater control over those problems because it's more about hiring a professional. Uh-huh. With uh, employees, you have to understand that you're dealing with other people. And that there are times where you can't control them. They are not in your control. And you have to accept that and understand that, you know. So that was one of my biggest learning lessons, uh-huh. you know. Okay. Okay. Cool. Well, so I mean, beyond the learning lesson and um, obviously your challenges, as far as the industry itself, the deli industry, where do you see it going? And this would be good for someone that's actually maybe on the borderline, like, hey, I, you know, I want to open up a, a sandwich shop or I want to open up a some type of restaurant in regards to meats. Like, where do you see the deli industry going? Is it organic? Is it obviously it's organic right now? I mean, that's a huge thing. But what do you see as far as obviously being in the industry? To be honest, I'm not super hip to the greater macro side of the industry but what i can tell you is if you want to open a successful deli or a restaurant or anything make it about you put your energy put your emotion into it there are tons of different sandwich shops there's organic sandwich shops there's non-organic sandwich shops there's sandwich shops with crazy names there's sandwich shops with really home style ingredients there's you know mexican sandwich shops cuban sandwich shops you know it's whatever you want it to be and understand that you're primary focus is going to be on the neighborhood at first. And then if you want to scale it, find a way to scale it, but it's still going to be about you. And, you know, for me personally, I have a commitment to good ingredients. I am not necessarily organic because I also want to keep it at a reasonable price. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to be a little blunt and honest here. You know, some restaurants will tell you it's organic and they may not because they're trying to save some money, but they also want that marketing cachet. I know restaurants who are purely organic and they're struggling because they can't afford the cost of their ingredients. I believe in that stuff, but I also want there to be a balance so that I can stay in business. And those are some of the challenges you will have when you open a restaurant. You have your visions. You know, if it was up to me, everything would be homemade, including the bread, including the meat. But yeah. I also know that it's not a sustainable way to stay in business from profit and loss side. So I would say do what feels right to you, but also understand there will be compromises made. Uh-huh. And beyond that, you still want to put yourself out there and show that you're committed to the product, that you care about what you're doing, and uh, you have a passion for what you are 
selling. That's beautiful no, because yeah. it is really what it comes down to, right? Especially in today's world, we're in a very authenticity be authentic to yourself type of world, right? And that could and that goes into anything. It's sandwich shop, uh, to building a retail store, to whatever it is. It's about you. And sometimes there's a market for it, sometimes there's not. At the end of the day, you gotta refocus and redo your way if you want to build a business around you per se, as far as like how you're gonna go build a next deli. Is that deli shop gonna be something more sophisticated type of sandwiches? Or is it gonna be more like for Subs Inc., like a little bit more playful? And we also have, what's the other companies like Ike's? Yeah. There's different uh, ways of pursuing that type of industry. And, and but what, it, what you, the common denom- denominator is the fact that it is about you and how you want to brand it. And I think that goes a long way because a sandwich, definitely I've tasted some crappy ass sandwiches. I mean, don't even get me into the whole Safeway trying to do sandwiches. I think that's ridiculous, but they're going to do it anyway. But, and I also living in LA, there's just not good delis there. I mean, San Francisco, and I know New York obviously has the delis, but you do taste the difference. And I think that kind of goes, and I was going to mention it, but how important is the bread? Bread is very important. Right? I think the bread is one of the most important ingredients. Yeah. See, one thing in San Francisco, you got the Dutch crunch bread. Love it. Love it. Love it. Missed it when I was in LA. I mean, then we also have the San Francisco sourdough. I'm not a big sourdough type of connoisseur, but I know sourdough in San Francisco is a huge thing. I am a big sourdough connoisseur. And I will tell you, there's, in my opinion, good sourdough and bad sourdough. And it's not necessarily... The quality of the bread, it's the baking process. Gotcha. Know, okay. the, the starter that they uh-huh. start out with and the type of oven they use. You know, like I've had, I've seen sourdough made out of brick ovens. Brick ovens do amazing French bread, but they don't do great sourdough, you know, uh-huh. things like that. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. So it is really the ovens, those expensive ass ovens. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's pros and cons to everything. I mean, yeah. the, and that's the thing. That's the, the interesting thing about the restaurant business. It's so focused. And if you want to do, you know, right, you really want to try to pay attention to everything, but also understand that there will be some compromises so, for the sake of sanity, for the sake of longevity, for the sake of consistency, uh-huh. you know, okay. and it's learning how to pick those battles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know? Okay. So then with that, so some, you've been around for 11 years in sub 2017 mm-hmm. now, what's your next move? What is my next move? That's a good question. You know, I, I keep thinking about that. I mean, in a perfect world, I would love to scale the business, uh-huh. but I, I would love to scale the business on my terms. That really means no investors or minimal investors. I really don't believe in this investor driven market that we are in. I understand it's the norm. I understand it's kind of what has to be done to grow your business, but it's almost not really giving the customers a vote on the product. It's given an opportunity to be more visible. And I definitely agree with that, but I really am passionate about doing the organic homegrown. You know, I want my customers to say, this is a great sandwich shop. There should be more of it. And I do hear it all the time. You know, you should open a second one or a third one. And it's pending on finding the right location. I know that if I do it without investors, if I just get a small business loan, or maybe find a partner, I would need to be very conservative in my step. But if I did have a big cash infusion, then I could be a little more liberal, figure it out, maybe run at a loss for a little while until I tweak the model to become profitable. Uh As long as I stay small, I probably would take the more conservative route. I feel more comfortable about owning it. I feel comfortable making the choices. And if I need any expert advice, there's always consultants or mentors I can reach out to that could steer me in the right direction. 
Gotcha. Versus uh, being at the mercy of people telling me, no, I want to do it this way because I want to make some money now and this and that. And the investor. Yeah, no, I can see that. I guess it does come down to like you are what your dream is, right? How you want to. I mean, this could not even be your dream. This could be just how you you dream your business to be. I mean, you might have bigger dreams beyond that. But but I do see um, that's part of your biggest challenge as a small business owner, right? It's like you still want to keep it that small business type of feel. But yet you do see that empire. In the sense of like, so you can see Subzinc. I mean, it's a great name, Subzinc. I mean, it sounds commercial. It sounds like it could be freaking in the East Coast. It can be at Texas. It could be everywhere. It's Subzinc. It's a very general, great name. So I could see where you're like, ah, you're battling as far as what would be the next step to kind of get it to the next level, but yet keep it small business owned in that aspect. Sure. And I could see that challenge. So we talked about your business, Subzinc. Um, and before you even actually go beyond business and asking you the big question, like, what is your big dream? I want to kind of, being that I know you, I know you've kind of like in the last couple of years, well, last, maybe last three, five years, I don't know. But anyways, I've seen a change in you that you're basically more back to that balanced lifestyle. You're no longer, because you were working so much, you you kind of fell into that, almost that trap of being, you've created your own job and you became your own employee. But you've said, you know what, screw that. I'm going to actually start doing hobbies. I'm going to get into stuff. You are he, Now, the one thing I didn't tell everybody yet, he's a professional salsa dancer. Uh, but he took on the hobby of salsa dancing. And I don't even know all his hobbies, but I'll use that as an example of like, so what was the reason for to change? And tell me more about your hobbies. I mean, as a kid, I've always had millions of hobbies. <laughs> I mean, I grew up wanting to be a video game designer. Then I wanted to own a record label. Then I wanted to become an actor. Like I've always had these dreams, but never really the confidence to fulfill those dreams or to give it a chance. So I kind of always in some weird way, put myself into hobbies. I used to draw as a kid. Then I tried learning musical instruments and fitness. I mean, in high school, I picked up on fitness, but the common theme for all these things is I would start them and then quit. Uh And for some odd reason, I would continue with my business at the same time, put a lot more energy in my business than I probably needed to. And going back to that work-life balance, there was a happiness factor that wasn't being addressed. Uh I love doing many, many, many things. I like being able to wanting to learn how to play an instrument, maybe do some stand-up comedy someday. I love to dance. It's always been a passion of mine. I love music. And the boy can dance. It's the yeah. boy can dance. Well, <laughs> you're, just, you're just being flattering. Like, <laughs> um, this is a good question. What I think I came across was, and I didn't know it at the time, that if I invest in myself, my business would actually thrive and be a lot more successful because I wouldn't really have the intensity or the frustration, I guess, flexibility to say, to deal with the problems and the bullshit. Uh So I would look towards my other things to show me my other activities to show me how to deal with the problems that arise in my business. For example, salsa really taught me a lot of people skills, relationship skills. Even there's always a follower and a leader. There's always a way to communicate. If you really can't effectively communicate what you want to do, your follower can't really follow. These are things I really employ in business. You know, if I can't really ask clearly what I need from my employees, how can they effectively and successfully carry it out? If I don't work at my hobbies consistently like fitness or musical instruments, how can I get better at them? And in the same way, 
how can I do that with my business? The drawback of doing too much in one thing is you burn out uh-huh. and then you don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And then you get sick of it and then you give up. Yeah. So it's important to take a break. It's important to come back. I mean, muscle memory, like in, in lifting weights or playing music is just like that. Like sometimes you play the, uh, try to learn a piece and you're struggling. You're like, I can't pick this up. My, my fingers are tired. I don't know what to do. Take a break. Come back, uh-huh. you'll be surprised. Your fingers will just be at it, you know. And you take these philosophies and you start employing them in all your aspects of your life. So one of the biggest hobbies I've done in the last few years that Rick is referencing is personal development. Uh-huh. You know, learning how to deal with my anxiety, learning how to change my viewpoints, learning how to limit my limiting beliefs. Those are really what hold people back. Yeah. You know, it's that paralysis analysis, that fear to do something. You know, it's learning how to be okay with making mistakes as long as you're trying and use those experiences as learning experiences. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And you keep doing that, you'll eventually get better. I mean, life is not a straight vertical path up. It's like, a st- I always reference it to a stock market chart. You're going to have ups, you're going to have downs, you're going to have backwards, forwards. Yeah. You know, but as long as you're moving and staying active, you will learn something. That's that's cool. Yeah. yeah. No, seriously. So that's and that's I mean that's growth, right? That's growth. That's that's growth and and obviously I'm a big believer of growth and personal development and being better and because you know, at the end of the day we are blessed to be alive and and the fact that we know people that go into a finish they do life and then they stop living life. It might work for them. It's just where I'm not. That's not me, that's not you and that's not how we're built on. I mean, we're sitting here talking on a podcast something that I didn't think I would ever do. I mean, something that maybe even a few years back, I don't know if you thought you would ever do, but it's like, but this is growth, right? So we're doing something, we're experiencing new things. And the one thing that I, I've i actually, for my own growth is recently I've kind of, it's kind of like living out of your comfort zone, right? So my whole thing is like each week I want to make sure, and it might be a very, I just started this, but I've basically, I three times, each week, I want to be out of my comfort zone. So may that be doing just doing something new, doing something that I would never do, or doing something that I said I was going to do and I didn't do. So I think and that has really like got me out of my rut because we are, as human beings, we can be very systematic. We go into routine. So it's, it's good to break out of that routine. And that's what's cool. I mean, that's what you, you identify in yourself, uh, self-awareness and personal growth. And I think that's, that's huge for an entrepreneur. I think that's a huge amount of how you continue to build yourself and, and make your business successful because you realize that you need to grow just like your business grows. And to add to that, as you know, of all the living species in the world, we are the ones that are blessed with a consciousness, with the ability to that's assess, cool. yeah. analyze, observe, and act according. You know, uh-huh. everything that what you're talking about, living in routines. I mean, that's our primal nature. That's our, you know, way of just kind of coasting through life, going with the flow. And for some people, you're right, it does work. For yeah. some people, it's very uncomfortable to step out of their boundaries. Yeah. But for others who like to think big, dream, you know, it's really the only way. And yeah, it is still scary. It is still paralyzing at times, but you actually have to look yourself in the mirror and tell, tell yourself it's okay. Just to try it out, take a chance. You know, the worst case is you could always go back to where you were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. So what I'll do is I'm going to um, go through just to kind of another way of getting to know you more on the personal side. Use the acronym WIDWID. It's why I do what I do. So when I do that, it's like, what's your inspiration? Why do you do what you do? Uh, why do I do what I do? I am driven by not wanting to live an ordinary life. 
I don't want to be unseen. It's ironic because generally when you see me, I'm not really the loudest person in the room, but I like to make an impression. And I think as far as what drives me, I'm definitely a classic overachiever and I enjoy that. And I want to be able to look back and say, look, this is what I accomplished. I do have some greater goals in life. You know, I'm definitely uh, family oriented and I would like to be able to say, hey, you know, these are the lessons that you take with you. So li living a legacy is part of that. And I think that describes most of it. Okay. What's your favorite book? I'll be honest with you. I can't name my favorite off the top of my head. Uh -huh. I did read The Alchemist. I liked it. It was very enjoyable, entertaining. It's definitely the hero's journey. I've always identified with the hero. Uh -huh. You know, my favorite video game growing up was The Legend of Zelda. The little loner kid who saves the world. I love that story. I can't really think of a book off the top of my head that I would recommend, but I would say just keep reading. Yeah. No, no. So the, the other, uh, besides on the, the self-awareness and the educating and the reading thing, let's have a little fun. Now, do you drink alcohol? Of course I do. <laughs> What's your drinking choice? So original was Bullet. Uh -huh. Now I'm switching over to Tequila. Forgive me, I mispronounced this, but Heredura okay. is one of my favorites. I don't know the differences yet. The reason why I'm drinking tequila is because it's less of a grain base. So in theory, I guess it's better for my fitness uh, lifestyle. Okay. But I'm a big Bullet fan. I'm a big Jameson fan. Rum and Diet Cokes are also a favorite. See, there you go. All right. Yeah. Man. See, well, see, he has more of the, the science aspect of it. If you ask me what my favorite drinks are, it's uh, Jameson and tequila, but it also depends on the type of event we're at. So if we're going to uh, party it up, we're going to do a little bit of tequila. If we're going to kind of keep it chill, we're going to do a little bit of Jameson shots. But beyond that, as far as the other thing, obviously what I do for my bread and butter is real estate. So the cool thing about me being in real estate, I get to see a lot of cool homes. And especially when I was living in LA, I got to see the, the real lifestyle type of homes. But as far as where we're going to have fun, dream big, what is your dream home? You know, my dream home would be kind of that LA rancher, you know, okay. that very classic 50s. Oh, wow. All right. You know, I have two or three cars in the carport or uh -huh. the garage. Three or four bedrooms. I would I would prefer four bedrooms. If so, let me wait, wait. So you said your dream home would be L.A., not the Bay Area. It would be L.A. Is that kind of what you just pretty much said, right? Yeah. Okay. No, I don't. It's time to feel there with this. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting because, uh, but that's cool though. That's the question, right? Where's your dream home? It's like, why not be in L.A.? <laughs> well, well, Rick does it. Well, Rick is not talking about his style interest, and I also personally love style, and I love fifty style homes. I love the whole mid-century look. Yeah, and cool. there are a few good ones. Actually, I do own a home in the peninsula that is a mid-century modern style home that I could definitely decorate. But LA has a little bit more of a spread out style to it and you mm -hmm. could be a lot more creative with the homes. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure, for sure. All right, cool, cool. That's really cool. And then so how I mean you've kind of touched on it, but if we had to say how you want to define your legacy, how how I mean I know that's kind of a deep question, but how do you define your legacy? Try your hardest, be real with yourself and treat i always follow the golden rule you could think about it as treat others like how you want to be treated i like to say don't be an asshole all right there you go and rami balat is uh rami balat is a hard worker rami balat is an all-around good guy but that's really from the heart it's not something i try to be it's something i want to be you know i know people have problems with that 
And Rami Balat is a guy who wants to make people around him happy. That's cool. All right. And then, okay, so just, uh, so if someone want to get a hold of you, what's your, you throw out your Twitter handles, your Instagram handles, however you want to do it. How do they get a hold of you? Okay, so my, I don't really do Twitter. Instagram is the place where you can find me. My personal is Rom Dizzle with three Zs. All right. Um, the Subzinc is at Subzinc for everything. Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat, Twitter. All right, cool, cool, cool. And I'll make sure I have it under um, some type of on the description as far as his, his contact information. And I know he's a great guy. So if, if anybody is actually looking to start a sandwich shop or, and just in general, like restaurant questions or personal growth questions, or you know, he, he is working out, so he might, he can give you some points on how much weight have you lost? So since last year, I lost 40 pounds. See, so that we didn't even touch on that. That's, yeah. a, whole, that's a whole other episode. Shout out to Mario <laughs> Rivera. He should be on this podcast. Actually, Rick loves technology. I actually didn't use a personal trainer, like personal training sessions. Since I had some workout background, I'm, I ran into an old friend who does personal training, but he does it through an app. So he sets my workouts. I just log in. I do my workouts. I click done. And we check in through each other through Instagram, through the app. And it's a great way to stay, to have an accountability partner without actually having someone there with you all the time. That's awesome. We'll make sure that we get him on the, on the show to kind of talk about his success and his, his challenges. So I want to say thank you again for being my first, first, first podcast guest on Check the Scotch. And uh, it was a great honor to have you on. And, and I actually, I swear, I've learned more about you too on this. See, that's, and that's the beauty of this podcast is just getting to know people. It's real people, real stories, real entrepreneurs. And I want to, again, thank you for uh, being part of this. Thank you.